Welcome to Cancria, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And uh, we have a pretty jam-packed show ahead of you today. Uh, we have an interview lined up with uh, uh, Simon, with him, the Health Initiative for Men out of BC. And I also had a great chat with Abigail, who is the camp coordinator at the St. John's Girls Plus Rock Camp. So we will be chatting with uh, Michael and Abigail a little later, as well as uh, a couple of songs. But in the meantime, let's start off with what has already started in terms of this election campaign. I have to admit, Mm -hmm. I am relieved Mm -hmm. that uh, this is the legally shortest election campaign as per what the law will allow okay the least amount of days possible which is which is great i mean Mm -hmm. it's good to know you know and and understand all of your options um but i can't imagine a world like in the united states where these campaigns run for years yeah yeah well it depends if you're talking about state or federal level and some the federal one Oh, man. Well, I mean, I think that's actually limited to like eight months or something, but no. that's still. There's wow. the primaries and it drags on for, oh, for a yeah. year. It's, yeah, it's if you're including much. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad we don't have that. Like the, the parties do all their stuff behind closed doors and that's that's their mm-hmm. business. If you're if you're a paying member, they send you the newsletter and then all the news does is report the results. And then that's the end. Of the, that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention is the Liberals started to point fingers at the Conservatives, and the Conservatives were pointing fingers at the Liberals. Mm-hmm. But they were talking. There was a concern, and we actually we we followed uh, some Twitter backlash to Erin O'Toole's push mm-hmm. um, or the Conservative push to allow doctors to be able to uh, have more use of the conscientious rights. Okay. So essentially, if you are a evangelical very devout doctor and you don't believe that trans people exist um then they could refuse to provide service now in i believe ontario and i want to say alberta or quebec Mm -hmm. there already is conscientious rights uh, objections by doctors for example you can't be forced to euthanize somebody you can't be forced to conduct an abortion if it's against your religious rights as a doctor which is great but i think that there is there is a, a clear line and the you know the ontario human rights commission has spent a long time carefully weighing up competing rights Mm -hmm. you know your right to religion isn't you know a higher greater value than your right to exist without discrimination based on sexuality they are Mm -hmm. they are equally weighted and sometimes they bump up against each other and i think the human rights commission has carefully navigated that and i don't believe that you can refuse to give medical service to lgbt folks in the province of ontario regardless of what your right is because right, that's yeah. not seen as infringing much on uh, the religious right so anyway this huge debate that seemed quite unnecessary as health is a provincial issue mm-hmm. and some provinces have already dealt with this um it has really sprung up as one of the first lgbtq issues in this election have you heard much mm-hmm. about it sebastian 
I haven't. No, actually, this is this is all total news to me. There's been a lot of stuff lately where I, I read things in the news or I see, you know, pundits mentioning that this party or that party said this or that. And then I go to the website's official, no, the, the, the party's official website to look up, you know, what is the exact wording? Because people twist things all the time. And I'm like, what are they really saying? I can't find anything. Sometimes like I can't find any policies and I don't know where these people found this at all. So, I mean, some of it is, is I mean, it's early days and a lot of it is, uh, you know, maybe there was a press release and we're not the kind of press that gets that release and it hasn't been published on their website yet. There's some of that sometimes. And this is something that the, uh, the Greens do. No, actually, no, the Greens are good for this. It's the NDP who are bad. Their policies aren't just under a tab called policies or platform. And you have to dig around until you find it. And then it's called something completely different, like our vision or whatever. And you don't think to click on that, but that's where all their stuff is. So some of that, and it's, some of it is just stuff where like, I literally. Sometimes it's interviews where you've been stopped in the street and they've said something and yeah, it's hard to keep track of. And uh, we will try this month to stay on top of the LGBT stories. I don't think they need to use religion for that though. Like it could just be, I'm not an endocrinologist. I'm not a mental health. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be. So the, the, you know, for example, if I was a trans person and I wanted to see an endocrinologist, I wouldn't go to a chiropractor. I would go to an endocrinologist. And well, <laughs> you know what I mean? First, no, you would go to a family doctor to get a referral because it's hard to get direct appointments. Mm-hmm. I, I have an appointment tomorrow with an ophthalmologist, so I know all about specialists. Uh, even if you go and say, I have already been diagnosed with this, I know what the treatment is, and I know how much of a dose I need, the doctor will stay, still say, I'm not an ophthalmologist, I'll make a referral. So if doctors don't want to treat trans people because they don't feel qualified, but they say, I will give you the number of someone who's, who's very good with this, I think that is, that's not denying your existence, that's saying, I'm not an expert. Yeah. I don't want to I just, don't want to, to, do just to clarify here, Sebastian, because I don't want to confuse the audience. Right. The issue is doctors who are specialized in whatever field they're specialized in, right. where patients are talking about that particular field. Okay. They then refusing service based on the sexual ident- the sexual orientation or gender identity of that person. Oh, I so, think that happened. So that is is would be a conscientious right objection if they, for whatever religious reason, didn't want to serve them. Now, the LGBT folks, and particularly trans folks, already struggle nationwide to get enough doctors who are qualified in the areas Mm. that they need medical assistance, that they see this as a bit of an open door policy to a lot more medical professionals uh, closing access to this vital care. So okay. trans folks are very concerned that even though it's already in place in Ontario and another province, I can't remember which one, um, that it could set a precedent and make access to care even more frustrating. Mm. So I understand that sometimes people, you know, doctors don't know all things about all areas. Yeah. But this yeah. is very specifically about a doctor who does know what's going on okay. and refuses based on your gender identity, gender expression. Now, or the, sexual identity, as I said, I've, I've been denied medical care because I'm gay. Mm-hmm. That was years ago. It was like 15 years ago, I think now, but like it does happen. So that's the, a different story for another. The day. conservatives 
pointed a bit of a finger at the Liberals as well. They have indicated that they want to uh, ban the very unfair and very unjust uh, gay blood ban. Now, the Liberals in their previous two um, election campaigns promised to remove it. It went from, I think, uh, five years to six months to three months, and it's still sitting at three months. Yep. And uh, right now, they are currently fighting a legal battle in the courts mm-hmm. uh, where Health Canada was sued for accepting this policy from the Canadian Blood Services and Hema Quebec. Yeah. So, I don't know, this is pretty I think it's an easy target. Oh, it's yeah. a low hanging fruit. The Liberals promised to change it and they haven't, despite yeah, yeah, yeah. many years in government. An interesting one, the last one I'll mention here is Erin uh, O'Toole has also promised to have Health Canada study whether poppers, which is amyl nitrate, we've talked about them in the past, mm-hmm. uh, which has been referred to as a gay mark, a gray market drug, uh, yes. which has been banned for legal sale in Canada by Health Canada. But the ban was brought about under, and I believe this is accurate, Stephen Harper, literally okay. the last time the Conservatives were in power, um, they banned uh, poppers. Okay, yeah. And now Erin O'Toole is very pro-gay and he wants to unban poppers. Yeah, I think Stephen Harper only had like 51% approval rating within his own party. Like a lot of the, because as, as I'm sure you know, the Conservative Party is like four different Conservative parties smushed together so they have a fighting chance. So I know that there were people, and the more I learned about O'Toole, the more I'm convinced. I don't know where he's from. Is he from the East Coast? Because the sort of like, I don't care. It's not my business. That's the kind of politics you get from a lot of East Coast conservatives. I think that's what it is, basically. Like, we're putting things in the federal government that are, it's the old argument about why they decriminalized uh, uh, homosexuality back in the 80s. It's unenforceable. And the cost of enforcing it is just stupid. So decriminalize it and move on with life. I think that, I mean, poppers are not hard to find. I think I've held a bottle once. That's about it. But I know that if I wanted it, all I would need to do is email my friend in Montreal and he would send me a parcel. Yeah. I mean, Aaron O'Toole was born in Montreal and then he lived in Ontario. He is the MP for the Durham region in Ontario. Okay. Okay. So we are going to jump to our first song and uh, interview. This first song is Hydrogen Peroxide by Taya, followed by um, La Vie, which is the song by Irish Mizen. Um, So we have Hydrogen Peroxide by Taya, followed by our interview with Abigail, and then La Vie by Irish Mizen, followed by the interview uh, with Simon. And then we will have uh, Right or Wrong by Kings of Our Kin. We will be back just after those. Your eyes don't leave my mind, but you're no longer by my side. And now I miss you, miss you. And I'm still in your t-shirt. Should have never washed off the dirt, cause it used to smell like you. Not lavender and chloride Every night I'm having trouble Sleeping without the lullaby of your heavy breathing Running low on my bottle of melatonin But I still dream of you While I toss and turn and Falling for you never stops 
hurting. It's a nightmare that keeps on reoccurring. I hope you come back. Lay down on your side of the bed. Cause I washed the laundry. And your scent left the sheets. Now it smells like hydrogen peroxide. Welcome back to Cancre, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith, and I am joined by Simon from uh, him, the Health Initiative for Men out in BC. I believe you're, are you in Vancouver? Is that where you're based? We're based in Vancouver, but do work across the province, actually. Oh, wonderful. I mean, I think that's, that's excellent. It's, and I think that sort of work across the whole province is going to be uh, a recurring theme that comes up a little later as we talk more about uh, this new resource that you've launched. We've interviewed folks in the past about sexual health resources that are available across Canada. Uh, in particular, we, we've spoken to the Canadian AIDS Society on a few occasions about what is available. But I'm kind of wondering what is sort of distinct about this More Than Sex initiative that you've launched, as well as the uh, More Than Sex webpage that comes with it. And I think there's uh, social media posts and publications. There's a lot of information there. Um, what What is sort of distinct about this as a resource that we should be looking into? That's right. What's interesting about the resource and the reason it came to be was that it was really um, called upon us to create a holistic resource by community members themselves. Community members for um, who for far too long have not been um, spoken to or whose experiences haven't really been represented in the kinds of resources that um, talk about sexual health for queer people and queer men specifically. What we heard from community members was that 
there were resources that spoke to the experiences of trans people or non-binary people or two-spirit people, but they were almost exclusively for those audiences. And that what is missing is a holistic resource that kind of weaves the experiences of all kinds of people throughout, that speaks about the experiences of front hole sex in the same paragraph that speaks about um, the experience of um, giving a blowjob to someone who was uh, born with a, a flesh penis. Um, and that really sort of incorporating those experiences throughout the text was really important in order to both signal and to, to, to make a, a point about how our community is diverse, how it is um, made up of more people than um, you know, public health resources may seem to believe. Um, and at the same time, really try to help people and try to really provide resources to people who may not even know themselves to be trans, non-binary, or have a, a diverse gender experience. Um, and so, being called upon to do that, we really tried to go back and look at all of the resources that we'd created over the 10 plus years of our existence and create something new and create something that was um, contemporary and something that was future looking and something that really, really was based on the experiences of community members. And that work was led by the community members themselves. They provided the language, they provided the, um, the kinds of style, uh, the style for the uh, animations and the characters and the cartoons that are part of the resource. Um, so it's really sort of community led and meant to really sort of be evocative of all of the things that all of the, the, the experiences of sort of uh, queer uh, men and sort of gender diverse people. Absolutely. I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Very often when we've looked at resources for the LGBTQ plus community, it is if you are a gay man, here is your health. Uh, if There's a whole industry of if you're a gay man, here is everything HIV related. Mm -hmm. And it is very sort of segregated in terms of where to access this. And especially uh, trans health, very often it's just a single web page. Um, of where it's available. I actually really like the layout and this idea of creating a bit of a one-stop shop yeah. for folks who want to better understand their bodies, better understand navigating queerness in terms of, you know, obviously a big part of our identity is related to sexual activity, at least for folks who are, who, when talking about sexuality. And I like that under your sexual activities, it very outlines you kind of the safety, the consideration. It's not a how-to guide, um, but rather it sort of is very informative without being explicit. And it what jumps out at me is that, and for our listeners' sake here, you can look it up in your in your own time, is that you've got all of the sort of health information that would be important to know about penetrative anal sex. But then immediately afterwards, you've got all the information about penetrative vaginal sex, because who knows what body parts folks are uh, are engaging with. And I think the reason why I bring this up is because your web page is so unassuming in not in in a sort of passive way, but unassuming in the sense that the audio, the, the person who visits the site could be literally anybody and is still very likely to get the information that they need. How long did it take you to put together this sort of web page with all of this information? It was a long process that um, took um, about two years, actually, um, since sort of the inception to the point where we were rolling it out. And the reason is that um, it went through numerous iterations because we really did try to sort of um, build a community of support, a community that could consult, that we could consult with and who could um, support us in the creation of every aspect of the resource. Um, and so in working with those people, we also found out that um, 
along with the sexual health information that um, is necessary and is looked for, um, we need to keep an eye on the sort of social determinants of health, on the upstream factors that um, that uh, factor into a person's uh, sexual behavior. So for example, um, whether a person has uh, mental health supports, whether they're engaging in what we call problematic substance use, and try to really speak to those experiences as well. And so there's a whole section on the website called Navigating a Queer World, where we go sort of far into the norms around uh, around queer, uh, like queer spaces, uh, queer interaction, queer health, the kinds of norms that we aren't really taught as children, because unless we're sort of brought up by people who are themselves queer or who have queer um, loved ones. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, experience of discovering those things, discovering what it's like seeking sex online or cruising or getting a head rush from poppers are all very exciting to some people, but they can also be um, quite intimidating and it could be something that can have really harmful uh, consequences on others. And so um, in developing this resource with community members, with them really guiding us and directing us, we re realized that we needed to include a little bit more of those kinds of um, norms and upstream sort of factors that I just mentioned. Um, and so over time, it just kind of grew and became more and more of a holistic, as you said, a one-stop shop. Um, and ultimately, we're very pleased with what has come from it. And of course, we think it's both overdue and forward-looking. And that's sort of what we've tried to do. We've tried to account for um, the mistakes that um, Health Initiative for Men and organizations like ours have made in the past, while also really trying to innovate and trying to broaden the conversation to bigger than, um, for example, trans people and uh, bisexual people um, who, you know, maybe having uh, sex with uh, women who have uh, vaginas or uh, front holes um, and include people who um, are a gender or people who um, maybe um, whose indigeneity um, means that they consider themselves two spirit um, and really talk about the systems and the, um, the structures that lead us to sort of these uh, boxes that we put ourselves in and ensuring that we kind of understand where our identities and what um, our where those are shaped um, and where our behaviors are shaped as well. I think what, what jumps out for me is if I am, and bearing in mind that folks can sort of self-realize their <laughs> sexuality or gender identity at any age, but I think right. it, for, for, my, for the sake of my example, we're gonna assume it's a you know, young person, maybe 17 or 18. Mm -hmm. um, very often there's so many questions there. There is so many questions. And I think that that's what this website does really well is you've, for example, you have one on cruising and bathhouses. I don't know how many health <laughs> websites give advice on cruising, but from, you know, our radio show, we have talked for years mm -hmm. about the importance of personal safety in cruising because it yeah. happens and safety is a major consideration. But unless you happen to tune into me waffling on about it a few weeks ago, where else are you going to find out some of these pro tips? And I think that's what really makes me smile about your the, the the this this project and this website is that it assumes nothing but tells you everything that you could know and want to know mm -hmm. in a in a very informative way. I also want to move in a little bit about um, I like how strategies is the title for. Um, sort of safer sex. I think that's great wording. But I want to mm -hmm. move in and look at your section on mental and so social health, which mm -hmm. I think speaks to that sort of holistic approach. It's not just you know your your safety in cruising or uh, you know the you know the the right lube. There are so many other determinants that you mentioned as well. 
how did you decide what fell onto this page unless you know maybe what what didn't you know what didn't quite make the cut how was that decision made that was um in sort of conversation with both our community um our community that we're working with the community leaders who themselves were largely trans non-binary into spirit um as well as um sort of clinical experts and public health experts that we um some of whom are on staff some of whom sort of are partners at uh, health authorities and really trying to tease out um if we were to have a section on the why behind the what you know why are queer men at um, disproportionately high uh, risk of uh, mental health disorders why are we um, more likely to experience suicidality um, we really wanted to sort of narrow it down to the parts that tell the reader or tell the audience about themselves and do it in a way that was uh conversational but also honest and also informative and didn't speak down to the audience um, and so it is hard, it was hard really to sort of decide what would be on here, but ultimately what we decided was the things that we felt that we could express in a way that was um, uh, helpful to the audience, um, as well as things that um, had sort of uh, calls to action attached to them. For example, um, when talking about stigma and lateral violence, which is something that a lot of us experience in community, um, people who are racialized or people who are too femme, for example, for some community members' taste, um, experience violence from other members of the community. And so we are able to speak about that and we're really able to have a call to action, which is um, to, to consider other people's situations and to really um, think about why we may be acting out on other people in violent ways, um, maybe because we ourselves feel powerless. Um, the hope is to continue building on this resource. We have plans every six months, at least for the next little while, to uh, take the feedback that we've uh, received and really sort of um, think about it and sit with it and see if we can expand a little bit on the sections that uh, need expanding, recognizing that in trying to make a holistic resource, um, there was also a lot that had to be cut, um, or things that didn't make it, rather. Well, I think uh, we have a lot of listeners in, in and across uh, British Columbia. So if you are in BC and want to give a bit of feedback, how can they best reach you? That's right. If you go to the homepage, morethansex.ca, you'll see that there's um, a section there that says, uh, it says something about providing feedback and it provides our email address. The email address is morethansex at checkemout.ca. A bit of a mouthful, but you'll find it on the website. Um, and you could always just email our office if that were um, sort of more convenient, office at checkemout.ca. I have a, a big spreadsheet with all the feedback that we've received, good and bad, and um, helpful and not helpful, um, including some from people who think that maybe this resource is too future forward looking, that maybe it's a little bit too um, inclusive, um, and really sort of just trying to take the temperature of, of, of people's reactions, because this is really meant to meet people where they're at and provide people the information that they need. Now, my understanding is the Health Initiative for Men, which is the organization that's which you work for and which came behind this, right. follows a very long history of gay men's health uh, nonprofits and charities that exist across the whole of Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, the work that you do has been echoed in pretty much every major city in the in the country. That's right. Um, is this a bit of a gear change for him, the Health Initiative for Men, to have that sort of anybody, any person approach to the um, advice and resources you're making? I think that individuals in organizations like Health Initiative for Men, um, of which there are many and of which we work collaboratively with uh, many, 
um, have been sort of making these changes in small ways, sometimes sort of specific to programming, uh, sometimes maybe a little bit of messaging that goes out. Um, and increasingly, there are, I think, more structural changes happening to organizations that were sort of based on uh, the original HIV uh, sort of uh, outbreaks, um, which obviously would speak to the demographic that was most, uh, most uh, affected by that, which at the time um, included cis gay men. Uh, and so this is a gear change and it's one that sort of we're experiencing throughout the, throughout the country, um, going from language that really is exclusive to gay cis men. Some, you know, we would say gay and bi, but often we would really just talk to gay. Um, trying to expand that and recognizing that um, as we sort of look at, um, at HIV, as well as sort of some of the other uh, health inequities that queer people experience, um, we have to be more comprehensive. We have to acknowledge and recognize um, the people in the community who sort of um, allowed us to have a health initiative to begin with. Uh, so this is part of a broader initiative at him called the Gender Diversity Audit, and sort of the outcomes of that um, have been um, a purposeful inclusion and um, equitable movement towards uh, an organization that is for uh, people who are gay, bi, and queer men, as well as gender diverse, and the communities that surround us. Again, recognizing that we're not going to capture everyone with a specific term, but recognizing that we're communities that support each other, and anyone who feels welcome here, really, um, we're trying to sort of make sure that they um, have, a, have a space here to, to, to be themselves and to get the services they need. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, your organization is echoed across across the country. Mm -hmm. right. um, and there are certainly, if uh, if you're not sure where, what services are available in your area, I believe your local health center should be able to direct you to the service providers for those who are more in rural, remote areas. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in BC, the Health Initiative for Men and this website is certainly a go-to solution. But also I would recommend for people who are curious about uh, queer sexual health, existing as a queer person in the world and, and sort of doing so safely, uh, and even some of the things around social and mental health that come up. And there's a whole section of HIV, which a quick glance looks spot on, which that doesn't surprise me. Um, I would say this because even if you were outside of British Columbia, I think this is worth a look because uh, it is so easy to read. It is so easy to navigate uh, that I think that sort of the accessibility and readability of the information must have been right at the top of your design because it is a, it is a great resource and we encourage everybody here at, the, at uh, Canqueer to go and check it out. Well, Simon, uh, if you roll out anything else quite as fantastic as this, please <laughs> let us know. We'll always be happy to wax poetic about good websites and good documents. It's sort of one of our fringe, fringe kinks is that we're really into good documentation. But that aside, uh, how can people go and find this website? Thanks, Luke. It's uh, morethansex.ca. Uh, and as you said, there is information there that I think is relevant to anyone across Canada. And if you go to the media library section of the website, you'll actually see some infographics and posters that you can print out yourself and put up on. If you're a healthcare professional in Ontario who likes this resource, uh, you can print out our posters and put them up on your wall and inform your uh, your clients on what the social determinants of health are or uh, the five E's of HIV transmission. Um, so really um, hoping there's something in there for uh, anyone in your audience. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me and we will be back just after. Even when they're not true Running through your mind Till you're tired on the floor You know what's gonna happen And it makes you want it more And I'm so close to crying I've never worn a bigger smile And I'm so close to dying I've never felt so alive Wrapping in your skin Warm. I know it's going nowhere, never felt so far from home Watching in your eyes, the thoughts that just aren't there I see that it means nothing, and the more you never cared And I'm so close to crying I've never worn a bigger smile And I'm so close to dying I've never felt more alive about the future when you can't hold a tune fumbling into ecstasy when it's all that you can do looking out when you're blind but you see everything voices in your head shouting out through it all again and I'm so close to crying I've never worn a bigger smile Welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is uh, Stilluk Smith, and I have the pleasure, I'm doing this interview on my own, Sebastian is not available, but I am interviewing one of my favorite people. We had the pleasure of meeting when I was in uh, St. John's and, uh, St. John's, sorry, and a couple of other uh, places. We're referring to the St. John, New Brunswick, not to can be confused with the the St. John that shan't be named. Uh, Abigail, <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's nice to talk to you again. Absolute pleasure. Now, uh, I think it's your father that put me up to uh, reaching out to you. Uh, we mentioned in last week's show that we had a couple of people uh, suggesting interviews that we should chase up this week. And I'm glad that we did because you're on to quite an interesting project in the St. John, New Brunswick area. Uh, with the launch of uh, a bit of a Fredericton copycat, and we'll get into that in a little bit later, but the St. John's Girls Plus Rock Camp 
Can you tell me a little bit about what the Rock Camp is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're, as you said, we're following the model that's done in a lot of other cities in Canada and specifically, uh, so we're following in the footsteps of the ones that are done in Fredericton and in Moncton in New Brunswick. And basically it is a camp, a one week day camp specifically designed for girls, trans youth and non-binary youth uh, to learn an instrument, write songs and perform, the, perform them at the end of the week. So as I'm sure many of our listeners know, camp can be quite trans- quite transformational for uh, for people who participate. Um, you know, you obviously have seen the success of this particular camp, this rock camp in Fredericton. Uh, what inspired you to really bring it to St. John's? Did you see a gap in the market in St. John? Uh, was there, what was the driving force between, behind thinking you could bring that to where you are? Yeah, so we um, in St. John, uh, some of the work I do is in, um, I'm a festival promoter. I run a little festival called Quality Block Party. And we have always wanted, we've always, you know, made a concerted effort based on who the team is and just like where our values are to book queer folks and to book women and, um, and really noticing throughout that process of the kind of like the, the gap in who's on stage who's in the audience. So like knowing that there are queer folks in our community and that they're interested in music and they're interested in the scene, um, but they're not necessarily the ones playing the instruments all the time. And we have a really supportive music scene. So this just seemed like the natural step to, to do what they're doing in Fredericton and to basically like close the mentorship gap and connect kids with the music scene and all the awesome non-binary trans and women uh, musicians who are established who wanna teach new musicians. Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly quite powerful to be able to see yourself reflected, uh, you, you know, in the area that you want to pursue. You know, if you have a passion for writing, for example, seeing authors who who reflect you. Uh, have you secured uh, some incredible female musicians and trans and non-binary musicians to help make this camp happen? Sorry, can you repeat the question? Have you secured uh, people to help make the camp happen who are women, trans and non-binary? So mentors yeah. that these kids don't can look to? Yeah, absolutely. We have a really great team, um, the musicians and creative sector workers that are helping us put this together, are, are who are instrumental to putting this together, are um, come from lots of different backgrounds and um, not only identity-wise, but genre-wise, which was pretty important to us because we, um, I guess we want to indicate to the campers that no matter who you are or what your interest is, like that there is a way for you to make art or to make work or to fit yourself into the music scene in another way. Like to speak personally, I'm not a musician, but I'm, I'm a creative sector worker. Um, this work's really important to me and that is how I participate in the music scene. So we're excited to connect these kids with women and trans folks and non-binary folks who contribute to the music scene in a multitude of ways, be it as a musician or a graphic designer or a show photographer um, or a show booker. So I, I can imagine we have some listeners thinking, you know, why aren't, uh, why aren't the boys invited? But I think you, you touched on it a little bit earlier when you were talking about the music industry and musicians and bands and things that you can see. There are a lot of bands and musicians who are fronted by by men, but not that many that are fronted by trans and non-binary folks or even women in a lot of genres. 
So the question for you is, is it a case of necessarily keeping the boys out or trying to raise the bar for what's available for women, uh, girls and trans uh, non-binary folks? Yeah, it's definitely about raising the bar. I think that the the main thing is just um, knowing that there are resources out there for boys who want to learn music. And often, oftentimes people learn from those in their communities. So basically we just wanted to make sure and kind of formalize the thing that happens in kind of an ad hoc or informal way all the time, which is, you know, you can't really learn an, learn an instrument by yourself. I mean, some people can, but it's super hard. It's uh, really helpful to get some guidance. So I think the thing that makes the difference for queer folks is having is being connected with mentors that they can kind of look up to and that they can ask specific questions and um, and that then then they know like once this camp ends if they want to continue being a musician that these are the people that they're actually going to see in the scene and, and they're probably going to play with them and um, or get advice from them and uh, book shows with them. I think that's incredibly powerful to be able to give young uh, young people in uh, St. John, New Brunswick, the opportunity to connect to uh, folks in the industry. You know, when you're a, a, a teen or a young person, it's always a case of trying to explore who you are, not just in terms of gay or straight, but in terms of, do I want to play the guitar or the harmonica? You know, that sense of exploration is, uh, exploration is pretty, pretty broad. So where are you finding all of these instruments to be able to make the camp possible? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked. We have, we're actually hosting our camp at a performing arts school. So the gear is all squared away. So between the Interaction School of Performing Arts, which is our venue for the camp and the Fredericton uh, Girls Plus Rock Camp, we are, and the musicians also, we're lousy for gear. So we're, we're very lucky to be able to use the gear that Interaction has on site. And uh, some, of the, some of the campers actually do have their own instruments. I know one camper in particular indicated on their application that they just got a guitar for Christmas. So uh, they're going to be able to break that in. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, um, we obviously, you've seen the track record of success in Fredericton and Moncton in New Brunswick and, of course, uh, elsewhere across the country. Finally, before we wrap up, what words of advice would you give to young queer folks or young girls who are listening and maybe want to pursue a passion in music? What would you say to them to get started? To get started, I mean, like, this is going to sound like a plug, but it's a real one, which is like your local campus and community radio station is probably a really good place to start uh, because they exist to promote local creative work. Um, so if you just want to, if you already have music that you want to get played, then that's a good place to send it. But even if you're like, I'm kind of starting to learn the guitar and I don't know who to play with, Campus Community Radio Station is a good place to, to get connected with other musicians and even to just straight up listen and, and see what's happening in your community um, is a great way to do it. And other than that, like, I think that one thing that we encourage young kids and even grownups to do is to reach out to people in your community who you admire and and ask for advice i think that like people especially the queer community like that's a really common thing is to to if you see a show and you like it and you're polite feel free to talk to the musician after and let them know that you like their show and that you're thinking about being a musician too They're, they'll probably connect you with local resources that are really good and yeah if you have something like interaction in your community or um or an art center just start doing basically just start doing the things you like to do and you'll meet people who also like doing them <laughs> absolutely 
I'm glad you mentioned the community radio piece. When I was with Capital Pride in Ottawa, they were surprised that Ottawa, that the Pride organization kept being, you know, called on to answer for the whole community. But it's it's sort of the the meeting point. It's the the heart of the crossroads is what the Pride organization is for for queer serving organizations in an area. Everyone talks to pride is essentially the point I'm getting to. Totally. And this this metaphor or this this parable rather is uh, is a really good kind of example of the service that community radios provides. You know, mm. all of the community, the emerging musicians in your area are talking to the community radio station to get the music played, to let them know about gigs that they're setting up. So community radio stations really are at the heart of that crossroad of your local music culture. So absolutely, I agree 100% about them being the place to go to uh, connect to your local scene. So I want to thank you so much, Abigail, who is the camp director at the St. John's Girls Plus Boot Camp. Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> rock camp, not boot camp. Um, although it's one week. So it's pretty it's kind of a boot camp. Yeah, it's pretty I say, intense. <laughs> that's, uh, we'll see how they manage at the end of it. But I mean, that's rock and roll. It's the way it's got to be. So that's thank right. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll touch base after your camp to find out how it went along. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Come a little closer, baby. I want to feel your skin. Come a little closer, baby. Defense is wearing thin. Feels so wrong, feels so right. I feel like doing something wrong tonight. You pull me in closer, baby. And then you say, Babe, pull me in closer now, don't wait. Give me a shot of whatever you got, don't hesitate.
Welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. That was Right or Wrong, Closer, by Kings of Our Kin. Now, we are running a little bit out of time, but one of the big stories that I wanted to cover, which I believe everyone has talked to death, but that is the fact that uh, OnlyFans, which is an online subscription service, Mm -hmm. um, has decided to remove... Uh, sexually explicit content everyone is aware of this Mm -hmm. the reason why i wanted to mention it is that in the gay community this has been seen as quite challenging because we're seeing only fans sort of really open the floodgates to pretty much anyone to be able to create their own content yes and get paid for said content Mm-hmm. And I think what we saw was a much greater diversity in bodies mm-hmm. in terms of the content that was being made, a greater diversity of of sexual orientation and experiences. It was less scripted porn and more, um, you know, anyone having a go. Mm-hmm. So you asked me, did I know why OnlyFans uh, pulled out? And that was the payment and the banking system um, pretty much were not willing to remain partners with OnlyFans. So essentially the mechanism by which OnlyFans was able to make money mm-hmm. was uh, under threat. So they've had to pull uh, pull out of the explicit content. But just for fans is sticking around and they're they're a-okay with the sexually explicit stuff. Yeah. And OnlyFans is not just for sex stuff. It's just almost entirely for sex stuff. Yeah, there was a great meme that uh, was talking about how OnlyFans is moving away from explicit content. And they were like, it'd be like if McDonald's moved away from making burgers and fries and just focused on salads. I mean, everyone knows you can get a salad at McDonald's, but like, is that why you go to McDonald's? You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not good. It's not a good salad. Yeah. And I think it's the same for OnlyFans. I mean, yeah, you can find gardening and flower arranging on OnlyFans, but is Mm -hmm. that really why you've (laughs) signed up for OnlyFans? I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. know I, I know a few cooking shows that do it because it's like Patreon and YouTube wrapped up in one. So you've got like your video hosting and your donation service. It's a one-stop shop, which is mm-hmm. convenient, but like, let's be real. Like the internet is for porn, whether you like it or not. But yeah. yeah. I want to read the statement from Just for Fans. Okay. They say the adult industry is sadly used to companies cutting their teeth on the adult marking and then abandoning them once they reach a critical mass. Just for Fans was founded and built by and for sex workers, and its staff is 100% compromised of sex workers and people who have been in the porn industry for many, many years. Hmm. We are a porn site, 
it says in bold. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that will never change, and we have no interest in quote mainstreaming end quote. Okay. Just for fans is number two in traffic to OnlyFans, and we are well poised to make sure adult content creators are not abandoned. We will welcome them all to our website. We believe we have the most innovative platform out there and are constantly evolving to meet the needs of our community. We welcome everyone to check us out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. A lot of people have been, you know, referencing how OnlyFans might be the new Tumblr and just jokes about a website that has gone defunct, like Bebo or MySpace. Okay, if yeah. that's if that's the future for for OnlyFans, and it's such a shame because I believe earlier in the year we were talking about how it's had a major impact with like um, the the various tube websites mm. uh, being shut down. That mm-hmm. OnlyFans was a bit of a an escape to still see a diversity in experience, um, and that's being being stopped. Well, I, I don't know. I, partly, I mean, embedded in this is a discussion that we do not have the time for uh, about the complicated and sometimes unhealthy relationship between the LGBT communities and pornography. Um, in some ways, I think this made it less healthy and in other ways i think it made it more healthy i think it's just a complicated bag i i I refuse to put it into one bin Mm -hmm. um but it looks like just for fans has a healthier approach to it and part of the reason why they can focus on it is because you know they everything is uh creator generated so you're not going to be uploading uh you know rips or torrents from other producers you know that is not allowed it has to be your own Materials. So if you're doing anything shady, they will shut you personally down and they don't have to shut down the entire website because some weirdo in some other time zone did something that is clearly illegal in every country on earth. Uh, so, I mean, they, they've got it wrapped up. You know, they're, they're doing the best version of this kind of service. And I mm-hmm. think that is something worth respecting, even if you're skeptical about pornography in general or its relationship with the community. Having the least worst version possible out there, I think, is a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it is a shame, but that is it. We have run out of time. We are playing out with Don't Believe In by Tess Anderson. And uh, I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. Why did I? Now how
could I?